Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Quaker Nation. We hope you had a great spring break. Um, my name is Caleb Crane. I'm filling in for Sean today. I'm one of the sports editors at the DP. And today we're going to be talking about Ivy Madness. It was an exciting weekend. It was a thrilling weekend, but unfortunately it was a losing weekend for Penn basketball this weekend. Uh, both teams lost in the tur- semifinals of the tournament, both to Princeton and um here to talk about it with me is uh, sports reporter Allison Nelson, who is on the ground in Princeton with us. Allison, I was just wondering if you could give us some of your general thoughts about the tournament and how it went for both the men and the women. Yeah. Um, hi. Happy to be here. Um, it was a very exciting weekend um, at Ivy Madness um, at Jadwin Gymnasium in Princeton. Um both uh, the Penn men and women's team were up against Princeton, um, obviously a rival history there. Um, both teams had yet to um, beat Princeton this season, um, both home and away. So it was another highly anticipated matchup. Um, there was, it was very intense, um, both games. Um, I would say the men's game was probably a lot more back and forth than the women's game was. The women's game got off to a pretty rocky start, to say the least, um, but had a heroic comeback effort that ultimately fell short. The men's game um, was pretty much back and forth really tight the entire time up until probably the very last minute. So um, it was an unfortunate um, kind of result. Um, for both teams, but um, they both gave it their very best shot. Yeah, uh, thanks, Allison. So let's, I guess, let's jump into the women's game first, um, mm-hmm. because that happened first. That happened on Friday afternoon, and I mean, the the big story of that game is the first quarter where Penn got outscored two to nineteen. So, I mean, did you see that more as a failure by Penn to make open shots, or was that more of a just how good Princeton's defense was and how good they've really been all year? Yeah, um, I think it was a bit of both. Um, It definitely um, kind of reflected how um, women's basketball has a lot of slow starts, especially this season, especially at the end of the season. Um, It took them a while to score. Um, There was a large scoring drought on the first two points, didn't come until eight minutes in and would be the only points they scored the entire quarter. Um, But... It wasn't for a lack of trying. Um, I would say the Princeton defense came out roaring, um, to say the least, and um, really just, you know, ganged up on Kayla Padilla, especially um, a lot of her early shots were blocked, um, and they just seemed to have an answer every time. Um, So it really... It really, I think, a lot of the time was the Princeton defense, but it's not like the um, the Quaker offense wasn't trying. Yeah. I mean, Padilla, she got her 20 points, but it, it had to come in 21 shots. And she was 7 for 21 from from the field in the in the game and 2 for 7 from 3. Um, I mean, her season, she'll always go down in Penn history. Um, she now broke the the single season record. So she holds all three, she holds single game, single season and career for three point shooting. But I mean, if you, and now she gets, we'll talk about this later uh, in a bit, but she gets the chance to go to the WNIT. And, but I was wondering like what you, what you think it means for her career that she never really was able to beat Princeton. Um, and that like this season where they had this 11 game win streak and they did all these great things 
still ends and they they're not they don't even make it to the finals yeah you made some really great points there I think I think it is a shame for her just because she she shone so brightly on this team um and she's at any time you talk to her whether it's in an interview or a post-game press conference she's just so happy to be on the team she never talks about herself even when we talk about her records she deflects the question she always goes back to talking about the team contributions and um what the team did together and um it was just so evident how much she cared about this team and playing in red and blue and I think that you know it fell short I don't think it reflects badly on her specifically you know she you know went out there every game and gave it her all um the amount of time she notched 20 plus point performances this season um was pretty high and she you know she never gave up and it was really evident and you know, I don't think it reflects badly on her as a player, um, but it is, you know, a shame that she will never have the chance to say that she has an Ivy title or had that experience of being in the Ivy League tournament final. Yeah, I think, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, her career is, like, always going to be one of those, it's, like, one of those legendary ones, but, like, what if she got the like a few more breaks and I feel like this game really like showed a lot of that because she got her points but like it wasn't an ideal game for her but she was also just being like picked on so much by Princeton and like she won't she she got picked on so much and like she was just constantly being hounded um but the fact that, like, she still persevered and was able to, like, keep trying. And that, like, the team as a whole, really, um, I think that really shows something. So, like, do you have any thoughts on, like, the spirit of perseverance that this team showed? Like, because they were able to make – they had the ball down six in the fourth quarter. And if you said that after 10 minutes when it's 2-19, to 19, that didn't really seem realistic. But they had the ball down six in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say that their their comeback effort was absolutely heroic. I mean, after that absolutely disastrous like first quarter, like some teams may have just given up then and there, called it quits, and they absolutely did not. They came back in the second quarter and scored 19 points. Um, they definitely, you know, I think that first quarter was a wake up call for them, and they realized that what they were doing, you know, they had to change it. You know that the Princeton defense was being relentless, especially with Padilla, and they had to try something else. Um, they really took advantage of Princeton fouls. Um, 10 of their 19 points in the second quarter came from the free throw line, so they really you know, maximized where they could, um, especially in those high-stress situations, and they brought that same energy out um, in the second half, in the third quarter, you know, they were really energized by the um, Manny McGurk buzzer beater um, to end um, the second quarter and really just, you know, came out. And especially in that third quarter, you know, and into the fourth, you know, when Princeton would score, they would have an answer. And ultimately, they came up short, but they didn't let themselves get blown out. They, you know, stayed in it until the very end, even though they couldn't 
cut it farther than six. You know, the fact that they did that when they were down 17 in the first quarter is absolutely, you know, shows, you know, the fight that the team had in themselves. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think they really showed a ton of fight, and that's, like, exactly the spirit that you want this team to have. Um, I mean, obviously that ended, like, their conference season, um, and it made them miss out on a berth in the NCAA tournament. But they're still going to be headed out to the to the WNIT later this week. They're going to play Richmond. And I think that's, like, exactly the type of grit that you want this team to have. Like, it's one last ride. Um, and, like, another thing that I saw from them, like, looking at them in the huddles and stuff, they stayed kind of loose throughout the game. And, like, it seemed like they obviously cared a lot, but, like, they were having fun on the court even when they were losing. And that's, like, exactly the attitude I think you need to have to beat a team like Princeton. And um, and Richmond's obviously a good team. They play in the A-10 which is a pretty equivalent conference, I think, to the Ivy League, if if not a bit better. And I think, like, this loose attitude, but also, like, knowing that you could be in every game and are should persevere is exactly what they're going to need to beat Richmond. Do you see any other kind of keys to that? Or Yeah, um, I think that... Um you know, they're going up against Richmond. It's not terribly far. You know, it's not like they have to go across the country. It's about a five-hour drive. So, you know, it's not like they'll have to um, get themselves, you know, super prepared for that. Um, uh, as you said, Richmond plays in the A-10. Um, Penn is familiar with teams from the A-10. Um, both LaSalle and St. Joe's um, play in the A-10, um, which is uh, some of their big five rivals. So um, it's not a conference that they're completely unfamiliar with. Um, I think as long as they keep bringing that spirit of fight, of grit, um, of, you know, not just completely giving up when they're down, you know, realizing if things aren't working in the paint or beyond the arc, you know, finding other ways, um, you know, bringing both the offense and the defense I think that they could have a very good shot of, you know, going past the first round and farther in the WNIT. Yeah. I mean, another key, obviously, like, you need Padilla to be stepping up and, like, playing her best ball. And I th- I have no doubt that she will. Um, she's already entered the transfer portal and will be playing somewhere else next year. It's not entirely clear where. And I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on where, but she, this will this every game now is her is potentially her last in red and blue and i hope she plays like that um and then also i think it's a it's going to be a great chance for some of the other seniors uh like mandy mcgurk um like sydney caldwell to really step up and show what they have in in what also could be potentially their last chance playing uh playing for penn and i think those are some of the some of the keys to that game coming up on Thursday and obviously the DPLB be there with all that. And now let's, let's kind of shift over to the men's side. Um, I guess this game was like a lot tighter throughout. No team really led. I think the largest lead of each team was Princeton's final lead of seven, but like before then no team led by more than six. It was like back and forth the whole game. Allison, what are like just some of your, initial first takeaways from 
from that game? Yeah. Um, I can say that I was on the edge of my seat the entire game. Um, I never truly felt comfortable. Um, you know, Penn would go up and then Princeton would immediately have an answer. And, you know, even though we were leading, you know, at halftime, it it wasn't by much. Um, definitely couldn't be comfortable with it. And, um, you know, you know, it was obvious, you know, Princeton was on Jordan Dingle, you know, they, you know, knew what to go for. Um, the Penn uh, defense did the same. And, you know, this is a rival that they know. They've already played um, Princeton twice this season. They played Princeton a week before the Ivy League tournament. So coming in, they knew what they had to do. And it pretty much showed throughout the entire game. And even though, unfortunately, they did come up short, you know, it they stayed in it until the very end. And I think things kind of really went wrong in that last minute, but they played those entire almost 40 minutes, you know, with grit and stayed in it and, you know, kept Princeton on their toes. Yeah. I mean, they, they really did. They, um, they held in there the entire game. It kind of, kind of felt like one of those college football games where like, it seems close for a bit and like, but then you're just kind of waiting, but then it just never really gets out of hand and Penn just always had a shot. Um, but then in the end it kind of just fell apart. I think there were a couple of keys to that. I think fouling was one Penn fouled 21 times, including 15 times in the second half. And Princeton was in the bonus by about the eight or nine minute mark. And after that, it was pretty much just a march to the free throw line. And, I mean, Penn did a good job of drawing fouls. Princeton got eight in the second half, so Penn was in a bonus. Um, and But I think the fouling and then by the end was the rebounding. I mean, Caden Pierce got 12 rebounds um, on the game. Most of them came in the second half, I think. Um, yeah, eight. Um, yeah, nine of the 12 were in the second half, and a lot of them were on the offensive glass, and Princeton just kind of punished Penn down low late. I think that was really a key. Um, and then, I mean, I guess Jordan Dingle, he didn't have, like, one of those. We were talking about this, like, beforehand. Like, it needed to be, like, the Jordan Dingle legacy game. And, like, it didn't exactly. He only had 19 points, which, like, and it was on 18 shots. And he went one of six from three. And, like, that's, like, below his season average and everything. But it still felt like, like, he still was playing well. I mean, what do you think about how he did? Yeah, it was it was definitely very interesting, the approach that Jordan Diggle took to the game. Um, he, he definitely wasn't taking as many shots as he usually does. I felt like he was much more of a facilitator um in kind of getting everyone involved rather than taking the shots himself obviously you know his average points per game is very high second in all of division one um but it definitely didn't seem like he was just there you know he he was taking shots you know and especially from three it wasn't going very well um but you know he was still very much you know 
involved, was very much there. You know, I mean, he had three rebounds, six assists. So um, he definitely, you know, was helping out, you know, as much as he could. And, you know, while we all kind of hoped that the Jordan Dingle legacy game would um, manifest, it, um, not, it didn't happen in the way that we expected. Um, but, um, you know, he... He's a junior. He's still got a year left in the red and blue. So hopefully this will take him even farther. You know, next year he will have the opportunity to um, kind of ride the wave of being the Ivy League player of the year um, for men's basketball. And, um, you know, I think hopefully this will kind of light a fire under him, you know, losing to Princeton last year, losing in the semifinal against Yale. Um, you know, he, he is hungry for an Ivy title. It's, it's very evident, um, and hopefully this will push him even farther to become an even better player. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to Dingle for just, like, a second, like, he didn't score, but, like, he had six assists and one turnover, and that's, like, one of his best games in that category all year. And, like, to do, he was just, like, finding plays, and, like, there were plenty of other times when, like, he would pass it in and they'd miss a sh- and Penn would miss a shot and like he was impacting the game like beyond just scoring in ways that like are very beneficial to winning and i think that's like very important and again like as you said he's still just a junior he has one more year at Penn this team is returning four starters next year um Lucas Monroe is the only one who's leaving and like he's been such a great piece for the team with his um, scoring, passing, rebound, he just does an all-around player. Um, and obviously, like, as a glue guy off the court, like, mentoring some of the younger players. But this team is returning four starters, and George Smith, who was six-man, is coming back. And I think they're in a good good spot with way too early predictions for... <laughs> With way, way too early predictions for what next season could be. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. You know, the fact that they're returning four of their five starters is absolutely great. And now a lot of them are experienced players and can help, you know, new recruits coming in and, you know, just helping people on the team, you know, you know, help, you know, facilitate that fifth starter, figuring out who it's going to be and just mentoring those players, you know, in the post-game conference, um, um, with uh, Jordan Dingle, Clark Slackard, and Lucas Monroe, it was just, you know, um, both Clark and Jordan took a second to talk about, you know, the impact that Lucas had on the team. And I was just so touched about how highly they were speaking of Lucas in how, you know, he was such a great mentor for the team and, um, you know, how, you know, much he was there for all of them and, um how much he will be you know dearly missed and I think having those role models will be especially important as the team moves forward and figure out figures out where to go from here Mm -hmm. and I think you know you know maybe somebody like Jordan Niggle and um just figuring out um what they what they do from here and you know having that experience, you know, having that, you know, we had, you know, highs and lows in the season, you know, 
the season started out rocky, but then they had that, you know, seven, eight game Ivy win streak, you know, going in to end the season and then, you know, kind of rocky end, you know, the final loss to Princeton and then the loss to Princeton in the Ivy League tournament, you know, they can kind of learn from that, you know, think about it over the off season, figure out ways to, you know, improve and, you know, go up from here. Yeah. Agreed. But also like there's kind of an element of like of whom much is given, much is expected. So like if we're like going to give them like all this praise of like the four starters and like culture and like all this stuff, I, I do think there needs to be like an expectation of this program. And like they were picked to win the Ivy, Ivy League this year and like they fell short and like their loss in the last day of the regular season of Princeton is pretty bad to blow a, a, mm-hmm. a 17 point halftime lead. And, like, utterly collapse in overtime. But I think, like, next year is really the one where there has to be a lot of expectation on this program. Um, But, like, they have a lot coming in. Yeah, no, I agree. I think for the past couple years, you know, you you had the 1920 season that was cut short by COVID. um, And then the next season was canceled coming back in um for the 2021-2022 season you know you know getting used to you know life after you know the COVID-19 cancellations you know the back and forth with the policies which made it um a little bit you know of an interesting season you know things were really looking up for Penn you know in those preseason polls people were picking Penn to win the Ivy League you know Penn had a shot you know to have a share of the Ivy League regular season title until they blew it in Princeton. Um, and, you know, this this season, you know, we, you know, hoped that there would be more to show from it. And that didn't happen. So, you know, obviously next year we, you know, as spectators expect more. You know, they need to take what happened this season, both the highs and the lows, and the mixture of it all and you know they need to put you know the effort in into figuring out you know where to improve from here for next season and you know if that doesn't happen and another season like this you know occurs then there has to be kind of serious conversations yeah. on where you know where, the, where program. the program is heading yeah i mean yeah there has to be because like they performed well this year but like you're Penn. You haven't beaten Princeton in like since 2018. Yeah. There's people in and around the program, especially like some of the alumni, who that's like an unforgivable sin for. And where like five straight years of failure against your arch rival is, is bad. But like, and I guess next year is like the one. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Allison. Yeah, happy Um, to be here. Thank you for having me. And that's all we have for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Quaker Nation, everyone. We'll see you next week with more from Penn Sports. Thanks.